Well, folks, once again, you're listening to the Biscuits and Gravy Show, this time with a little bit of a twist. We're going to put a little pepper in the gravy, I guess you could say. My brother, Paul Kurtman, is with us today. Paul, how are you doing? Doing good, Jay. Good, good. How's uh, how's life in the, the cold north? It's probably not so cold now. Well, it's not too terribly cold. It's actually pretty warm, about 90 degrees here in north-central Wisconsin. It's a lot warmer than I expected it to be in the summer, and it's also yeah. a lot colder than I expected it to be in the winter. It's It's been about 109 degrees so far at the highest we've been at here in the Tularosa Basin, but I'm not complaining. Um, I, I've mentioned on the last show that we, uh, we turn off the air and the fans in the studio when we record just so we can get a crisper, cleaner sound. Um, unfortunately, that uh, requires that I take a shower afterwards, which is a kind of a good thing. Kind of cools me off a little bit, and I'm ready for the night then. So helps you get your shower in for the week. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Whether I need it or not. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, um, Paul, what have you been up to lately? Anything new? Any anything new that you want to share? Well, not a whole lot new, really. Uh, wife and the kids, everyone's just surviving 2020, the era of COVID yeah, right. and murder hornets and I haven't civil heard. unrest. I haven't and now heard. there's a new disease that's striking elephants dead around the world. So What's that, is, so far what, it's just an elephant. We'll just wait and see what 2020 has and, to throw at us later. In the words of Ernest T. Warhol, only the elephants, right? No. Yeah, only <laughs> the elephants, right? Yeah. yeah so. I hope so. I mean... A virus big enough to take down an elephant. I hope it doesn't make the jump to humans. Yeah, but you know, they, they said the murder hornets were coming, and I haven't heard anything about them in weeks. So, was that a scare tactic? What's your opinion on that? I don't know. I saw a picture of those murder, murder hornets. I hope it was just a scare tactic. They look pretty I hope it was big. somebody out there just trying to cause more uh, fear and chaos. Um, yeah. Turns out it wasn't murder, murder hornets at all that was going to do that it was everything else that you know 2020 has for us but i right. hope that the murder hornet thing does not take yeah yeah we've got enough to deal with right now so oh, yeah. it's uh it's not fun I, i've been fortunate um through this whole pandemic and epidemic whatever you want to call it um the liberal agenda of 2020 uh but i've been fortunate not to have missed a day of work because of it uh, as a matter of fact, my workload has quadrupled. Um, Sarah, who runs out and does DoorDash and food delivery, uh, hers is probably more than quadrupled. She told me it was a little slow today. That kind of surprised me. So um, we'll wait and see what happens. I saw a video today, and I'll have to send you a link uh, to it later, Paul. It's of uh, the Joker from Batman, and the title of the video is called It's Just a Mask. Have you have you seen this video yet? No, I haven't seen it. I'm going to send you the link to it. And it's basically, I don't, it's computer generated, it looks like. Uh, but the cartoonish character is really talking about how the populace has been duped. And, and we have fallen for the great lie uh, involving compliance in everything. Uh, I know things are up in arms right here in New Mexico because uh, our governor has shut down restaurants. The restaurant business, uh, the industry here, is almost all but gone. And uh, it's, it's really, really sad. We've got some restaurants here that said they don't care, they're going to stay open. Well, there's a $5,000 a day fine. 
and uh, for staying open. Yeah, for staying open. One business I saw a picture of this uh, just the other day. Uh, uh, the governor here sent them a letter, and it was a it was a re- revocation of all their food permits and service permits. And it wasn't just a revocation until the end of the crisis or until this is all over. It stated permanent. This is a permanent revocation of all your your licenses and businesses for failure to comply to the health orders. And um, that just, you know, that makes me angry. I just, I I don't know how to express how stupid that is. Because this virus... I'd like to think it's not going to be around here forever, and um, but that's that's the way it is. What do you? Th- There's a lot of people that say this is a hoax. How would you answer that? Yeah, it's not a hoax. I mean, there's a virus out there, right? Um, you know, I've got I have friends um, who's who've lost parents, you know, because of it, right? And uh, you know, I don't think they're pulling a fast one on me. I think it's real. But I do think that uh, it that there's a lot of misinformation. I think there's a lot of uh, fear that's being spread because the whole issue is being used by politicians. Right. Um, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Should you wear a mask? Should you not wear a mask? Um, I've I know personally people that work in labs and they they are testing uh, people for the coronavirus. And not only are they reporting people who have the virus, who have tested positive for the virus, but they've also told me that they believe that their laboratory is reporting numbers of people that test positive for the antibodies. Mm-hmm. And so th- this isn't this isn't you know somebody saying, "Hey, I read this on Facebook. This is what's happening." Like this is this is people who have told me this, who work in the labs testing people and actually running the tests on the samples that are that are produced. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. I've even heard from some people in the in the professions that are related that if you tested positive for the virus uh 8 weeks ago and mm-hmm. then uh you're you're doing better, you're doing fine, well they take you in and test you again and you're showing that you still have the virus even though you're on the down. They count that number twice so mm-hmm. that the media can report that as an additional number so yeah, while, and, well go ahead i go ahead Paul. no no you please finish. well i was going to say while the virus itself is not a hoax i think there are several hoaxes being perpetrated on the american people involving uh, the virus i have no yeah, doubt I, of that I, I would entirely agree with that you know the the same person that works in this laboratory told me that the reliability of the test results is only right around 60% and I don't know what test kit they're using. I don't know if there's a, a difference between one test kit made by one company versus another. But, I mean, this is being done with the, uh, you know, authorization and the backing of the government and the medical community. And they're they're saying that it's not 100% reliable. It's not even 90 or 80 or 70% reliable. They said it's 60% reliable. Right. So I just don't understand. I don't understand... Uh, why politicians would be so quick to force people to lose their livelihoods by telling them to shut down when the test results are largely unreliable. And then in addition to that, what does come back positive is, turns out, is not always because they actually have the disease or the virus, but maybe they have the antibodies because they had it, you know, two or three months ago. Right. And so uh, this whole issue, I do believe, is being used 
um, for hyper-partisan politics because we're in the middle of an election year and in an era where people are wearing masks and they're afraid to go outside you know, just for fear of their own health. You can absolutely count on the fact that politicians are going to exploit that as much as they can um, to split people, divide people, build their own base in hopes that it helps either their election or the election that their particular party is facing come August or come November. So I think that you're absolutely right. The coronavirus itself, hoax? No, not a hoax. There's a virus out there. Um, people people have died from it, uh, but are, are people perpetrating hoaxes under that umbrella of something that's very real? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. Well, before we go any further with this conversation, I do have to handle a little bit of business here, Paul. Um, I would like to tell you all that our corporate sponsor for this podcast and radio show is the McDonald's Corporation. Go out and get yourself a Big Mac, or if you're like me, a Big Mac or two. Um, Special thanks to our executive consultant, Rodney Barden, who's out there tap dancing away. Our fantastic website, .com is where you can find this podcast, as well as VintageBiscuits.com. They both go to the same place. Our fun Facebook page, I think Paul's been on there a few times, the Biscuits and Gravy Bunch page. Lots of good, clean jokes. We do keep it clean there. I have a rule there, Paul. If I wouldn't show it to my mother, it doesn't go on there. And I don't care who's posting it. So, thought you might... It's a good rule. I thought you might find that. I I apply the same rule to my own Facebook page. And, uh, (laughs) anyway... Uh, so that which goes to say that uh, no, I was going to tease you and say that sometimes I block mom from the post, but I don't. Uh, anyway, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. We're heard on the Leading Edge Radio Network, Q Star FM, KKTY, Tiger Country Radio out of Republic, Missouri, WBM Radio, Good Talk Radio out of Phoenix, Del Marva Talk Radio, and Apex Radio Net dot com. And uh, I think that about handles it, Ball. How are you? So, uh, but anyway, we were uh, talking about the Big Macs. Has uh, my young nephew been introduced yet? Not yet. Not yet. Is he? Is that something you're shying away from? Fast food Look, and that sort of thing, or? Well, right now he's still on Happy Meals, and ah. one of these days he might graduate to a Big Mac. But he's not <laughs> ready to make that leap yet because I don't think the Big Mac comes with toys. Mm, I might your his uncle Jay might have to fix that for him. <laughs> I'll get him a special Big Mac. Um, you you were you weren't young, but I you've heard the story about my first Big Mac, right? You're gonna have to remind me. From what I understand, yeah. is you were you were with Dad when you got it. I think is all I yep, know. Yeah, that's right. I was with Dad. I was with Mom too, and Mom, Dad gave me a Big Mac. Uh, I think uh, against uh, Mother's uh, objections. And uh, Dad just, I ate the thing down, and I, as I recall, I enjoyed it so much, uh, Dad got me a second one. And I was only like five at the time. Mom, I think, was just uh, really not uh, not happy with that situation. But uh, She was not happy that her five-year-old was fed two Big Macs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I've I've been hooked ever since. So, yeah, good stuff. I, I, I still like the Big Macs. Um, so we have a little invention that Jim made up on the show called the Geminator, and it's basically a quarter pounder with cheese, but instead of ketchup, it's that's replaced by the Big Mac sauce. And uh, then we have the New Mexico Geminator, which also has the green chili on it, which is my favorite concoction. So anyway, 
A lot of stuff going on with all this pandemic, uh, coronavirus. We mentioned that uh, people are perpetrating hoaxes under the guise of the coronavirus, or un- under the umbrella of it. And, uh, I, you know, I remember just six months to a year before this hit, there was a comedian on national TV that said he was praying for an economic meltdown if that's what it took to get Trump out of office. Hmm. And uh, very prophetic because it was like, well, if that's, you know, there's a, there's been a lot of things done to diminish his potential. Um, everything from when he started, everybody was fighting everything he did. Well, he started getting things done anyway. And uh, now that, uh, you know, now that the election time is coming around, well, that's that's our only hope, get him out of office. They've tried um, enforcing the mail-in ballots on people. They're finding that's not working. Well, before that, they tried to force the uh, popular vote versus the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the, I, I read here recently one of the state supreme or was it the national supreme court, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that uh, the states have to go by the popular vote of their own state. Yeah, that was the U.S. Supreme Court. I thought you yeah, and uh, so that correct me if I'm wrong, Paul. Doesn't that erase any attempt to bypass that system? Um, yes and no. Okay. So the the state. The state governments can decide um, how their electoral delegates vote. For example, in a congressional district in Missouri, this is how it works. If in the third congressional district, um, the majority uh, votes go to Donald Trump over Ted Cruz, then the delegates, I'm sorry, uh, over Donald Trump over Hillary Clinton, uh, the delegates are, are bound at that point to cast all their votes uh, for Donald Trump. Right. And so I think what the Supreme Court ruling is saying is that, hey, you have to follow whatever your state's rules are. So if the state says that you're bound to vote for whoever wins basically the popular vote of that congressional district, you have to do what the state tells you to do. You have to vote in the way the state tells you to vote. You can't go rogue and just vote for whoever you want to vote for. There are some uh, Democrats who voted for Colin Powell and other people in 2016, and they mm-hmm. were trying to, I don't know exactly how the strategy works, but they had a strategy in place saying, hey, if we have enough delegates that go rogue here and vote for somebody else, then it'll, some one way or another, it's going to help us not get Trump elected, but instead give us another shot at Hillary. And so they went rogue. And so the Supreme Court ruling doesn't say that the delegates have to vote with the popular vote of the state. I think that the Supreme Court ruling says that you have to go uh, according to the rules that the state legislature tells the delegates how they have to vote. Okay, but what if the rules themselves are faulty versus the popular vote? If the rules of if that the state legislature state, says yes, um, yeah, and there and every state has different rules. Some states have rules that say popular vote for the whole state is the way you have to go. Other states break it down to the congressional district. They have it in different ways. But this is a Tenth Amendment issue. So the U.S. Constitution does not tell the Electoral College how they have to vote. Um, So since the Constitution does not explicitly say how the Electoral College has to vote, that immediately makes it a state's issue to determine how it is that their electoral voters of the state vote. Do they vote in accordance with how the popular vote of the state goes, or are the Electoral uh, College delegates bound 
by certain geographical locations, such as a congressional district in which they would have to vote based on whoever won the popular vote of the congressional district. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, a little bit of good news for us in that aspect, I guess. Um, so that's that's good to know. Uh, yeah. Makes it a little and, bit more clear for me. Yeah. And I, I could be I could be wrong about the details about how that ruling came down, but from the way I understand it, it's just telling the electoral college members that they have to follow the rules of the state, not not necessarily the popular vote of the state. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Um, I'm still amazed by how much the media uh, just twists, just, there's no other word to say it, but attack maliciously our president for some of the things he's done that Obama did, the way he carries himself and some of the things he's stated, um, you know, just because any president would do them, they, they turn that into something like, well, he's got the arrogance or the gall to do that. And it seems like our media definitely has an agenda is Paul being the man that you are? Is there a news source that you go to that you trust more than others? There used to be a time where I would say yes. Yeah, and I'm and guessing so that would have been Fox. It it would have been Fox. However, um, one thing one thing that I am aware of, and I think that most people need to be aware of, is that news organizations are not nonprofit organizations. And even if they were, I'm not sure it would make much of a dis- difference. Mm-hmm. Every time you're watching Fox News, they're selling ads just like CNN is. Sure. They're selling ads just like MSNBC is. Right. They are a for-profit company. Um, consider this. We would not have gone to war in Iraq had Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, had all these news organizations not made it like 98% of the coverage leading up to the war. But they did because there's a lot more people watching the news. And I'm not, I'm not saying that there's some grand conspiracy here. I'm just right. talking about the way media works. Right. There's a lot more people that are watching the news during, during eras of war or high and heavy controversy than when there's just not a lot going on. Well, that makes so, sense. So I, I do watch Fox News, but I will also watch CNN from time to time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I will even see watch clips of Rachel Maddow. Now, there are certain individuals on the news programs that I trust way more than others, way more than I would just give blanket trust to an organization as well, a whole. I, I, I like Tucker Carlson. Yeah. He's, this guy's been pretty consistent and pretty bold, you know, ever since he's first started coming on the air a little over 20 years ago. You know, so there are some personalities that I really like, some that I trust more than others to be a little bit more forthright. But still, at the end of the day, I have to remember the fact that every one of these shows, every one of these news or cable organizations, they're all selling advertising. They're in business. Right. Yeah. It's all about the ratings and everything. Although the listener can get some good information, um, again, they have to make up their mind for themselves. What oh, totally. They, what they believe. I do remember, I wish, and you probably remember, there was a, uh, a I can't remember what network she was on, but they were railing against Trump because of some things that he said, and the commentators said he is trying to um, brainwash, I'm paraphrasing, or manipulate the minds of the American people. And that's not his job. That's our job. Do you remember that? <laughs> that was so great. I wish I'll yeah. find that clip again later. But it was like as soon as she said it, you know, it went viral. 
And then, of yeah. course, she came out and said, well, that's not what I meant. Yeah, sorry, it is. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You, uh, you let that cannon go a little bit too quick. So, um, but I, you know, I, as far as myself, I like Tucker Carlson. I even like Glenn Beck a little bit. I listen to yep. Rush Limbaugh every now and then off of KMOX in St. Mm-hmm. Louis. Um, I even listen to, and I, I'll say it, liberal, the liberal side of KMOX in the morning. Um, there's a, there's a, I can't even remember their names. You probably know them, good friends with them. There's two, one's liberal and one's conservative. They do a morning show. Um, it'll come to me later, their names. But uh, I even listen to them. But uh, sometimes I, I'm just amazed at what I hear come out of, there, there was one of the liberal KMOX commentators, and Nancy Pelosi said something. It was, you know, the things that Nancy Pelosi says anymore aren't even that memorable, just because she can't top herself anymore. It's, it seems like she's already said something that's equally as stupid. And uh, anyway, this commentator said, well, and there you have it, Nancy Pelosi, once again, speaking common sense. And it wasn't sarcastic. He was dead serious. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my goodness, these are the people we give microphones to. You know, so, but hey, that's the great part about America, freedom of speech. You can do what you want if you own a radio station, I guess. So, yeah, I, I and I, I agree with that. Um, but I think that what it does also is it really demonstrates uh, the lack of knowledge mm-hmm. about our founding principles. When you have people like, whether it's uh, Maxine Waters or Nancy <laughs> Pelosi or Chuck Schumer, and they're saying things on television. Um, you know, crying on television, crying behind a podium when they're talking about the DREAM Act or when they're talking about, you know, their legislation that they're fighting for, you know, for the little guy in America. But the policies behind so much of what they're trying to introduce is nothing but bigger, stronger, more powerful government. And somebody a lot smarter than me once said that a government big enough to give you everything you want is big enough to take everything you have. And so when people start fawning all over these politicians. Oh, there, here we go, Nancy Pelosi. There, She said it. It's great to hear Nancy Pelosi speaking with such common sense. That common sense, that's not common sense. Yeah. But Nancy Pelosi, when she's talking and she's, she's uh, talking about legislation uh, that would uh, redistribute wealth, I mean, the very underlying principles of those types of big government policies literally translate like there's a direct correlation to a loss of property rights a loss of income and so all everything that people are working for in america you got moms and dads sitting at dinner tables all across america tonight and they're wondering how they're going to pay the next bill these are people that show up every morning at work and they work put into full eight hour days they work overtime only to have nancy pelosi speak that wonderful common sense that that radio show commentator mentioned that you had just mentioned you said right and this this woman and the people like her, AOC, mm. these other far-left liberals, and they're not even liberals, they're far-left progressive socialists, and everything they stand for represents taking away everything that other people have worked for. Freedom is always a better way. Um, What's amazing but, to me is they're not even ashamed to call themselves socialist. There, there was a time in this country when if you, if you made the comment that you were a socialist or you were a communist... Um, if that if that got out, you'd have trouble getting a job. Mm-hmm. You you'd have trouble making friends with your neighbors. 
you know and yet here we have people that are already elected off uh officers in office that they're bragging about it and they think that's that's the ticket that's going to get them elected again and unfortunately in some cases it is yeah it is we're we're living in a country today where people are so quick to take handouts even when they don't need it they think that they're entitled to things and there are there are legitimate cases where people need to rely on the government for help like i fully understand that but people should not ever find themselves in a position where they're relying on the government for everything that they not only need but everything that they want because as soon as they cross that line from hey i'm desperate to have some of my needs met as soon as they cross that line to where they're saying hey now i just want more well then they've got they've locked themselves into utter and total dependency on the government and that is a very 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 difficult trap to escape from well i have personally seen some of that firsthand because i'm a recruiter i hire people and i hire people for work at home jobs and uh about three or four weeks ago i got an email from one of my candidates that said uh listen i know my start date is supposed to be in one week but is it okay if i start uh, i think she said two weeks after that and I, I said, no, that's that's the date that our training starts. That's when you have to start. I said, is there a problem? You, She said, uh, well, my unemployment doesn't run up until that other date, and I kind of want to keep getting that until I just can't. Mm. And I, I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, you risked your job. I made you an offer. I gave you a start date. And you here you are. You're putting yourself at risk by asking me if you can start later. Uh, mm-hmm. than, than what you had already committed to. So, mm-hmm. and that's just, that's, I know that's just the, the tip of the iceberg, people around that. It's already been discussed on other mainstream radio shows that people are eating up the situation because a lot of them are getting more free money, mm-hmm. and that's an oxymoron, um, off of the the welfare programs than what they were able to get back when they had a job that they had to be at at the restaurant or the supermarket or wherever it was that they got laid off because their governors shut them down or whatever the reason may be but uh, but it's just uh, I see all this going on from different angles and I'm seeing things happen. I have one more question I want to ask you about, but do you have anything to say so far about it? Well, let me, let me give you a quick little story from the legislature. Okay. As you know, I served eight years in the Missouri House of Representatives, and I think it was the very first call from a constituent that I ever fielded personally, like actually talked to them from the office, right? Uh, Capitol office phone. And I had a guy call me up, and he was upset because this is what he told me. He said, between me, my wife, and my adult son, they're all living at home. He said, between the three of us, he said, we're only bringing in about $3,500 worth of government benefits. And uh, and I said, oh. I said, okay. And he got angry and he said, how do you expect me to live off of that? And I, I could not believe what I was hearing. Because in my district, I had a lot of auto workers. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of blue collar workers, construction workers. Right. And these are people that will show they will drive long distances to get to work to do jobs that are, that can be physically taxing, and then they go home, eat dinner, have a good night, wake up in the morning, do it do all it again. over again. Yep. But one of their neighbors, you know, is saying, "How do you expect me to live off of this?" 
And I said, I don't expect you to live off of it. I said, I would like for you to work your way off of it. And right now, to your point, Jay, there is a virus in America that politicians are hyping up called the coronavirus, and they're using the fear of this disease to try to divide people. But the virus they're really spreading is subtle, and it's working its way into the hearts and minds of people all across America. And it's a virus that has killed millions of people just in the last 100 years, and it's called socialism. And it doesn't care if you're a Republican. It doesn't care if you're a Democrat. If you catch that virus, then you stand a very, very good chance of finding yourself on the other end of, uh, of the, 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 the freedom that our country guarantees to you, protects for you in order to pursue happiness and ultimately work your way into any job, into any level of prosperity you want. And if we're not careful, it would be very easy for the people in our nation to go the same way that so many socialists of the past in Europe have gone, and it's put a lot of people in mass graves and a lot of people in the unemployment line, and it's caused a lot of people to starve to death to the tune of millions and millions and millions. The number one cause of death in the 20th century was government, and it wasn't government that I was out trying to protect people's freedom and liberty. It was government that I was, that was out trying to control people under the guise of taking care of them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, this whole thing, I know with our current governor here in New Mexico, every move she makes is is basically coded uh, under the guise of this is for your own good, this is for the general public safety. And while that all sounds sweet and nice, people are going home saying, I got laid off today. I don't know when I'll be back. The income has decreased, in some cases, down to zero. Um, I got a message from my landlord. He sent it out to everybody. He's got properties. He said, just because you're out of a job doesn't mean that you're out of responsibility. He said, I expect full payment at the end of the month or at the beginning of the month. He said, mm. and, and he's right. He, that's that's not unreasonable. But... Uh, but but here's the thing, people, and, and he wasn't being cruel. He was just stating a fact. I, I know this guy, and he wasn't being mean. He was just, you know, people at the time, I think, had sent him an email trying to get out of making payments, and I think that was his his response to coming back. Uh, because there was a lot of people that I, I know at the time were Googling uh, because there were some rumors that mortgages and uh, that rent payments were being put on deferment, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, there was a lot of that stuff going on. But people are hurting financially. Uh, the stock markets, correct me if I'm wrong, they've, they, now is the perfect time to buy. Is that correct? Well, you know, whenever the markets are down, the old adage is buy low and sell high. Right. <laughs> so, you know, whether you're buying flipping houses or anything else. So, But now is the time point, for that, correct? In general? Yeah, in, in general. In general, with the market being down, it would be a... a you know, people could look at that and, and certainly find maybe some opportunities that would be beneficial to them. I had a friend that said now is the time to invest in cruise lines and airlines and travel agencies. I don't know. Something to think yeah. about. <laughs> but, but yeah. Kind of getting back to the point you're saying, even landlords, a lot of people look at landlords and they think, oh, you guys own all this property. You guys are wealthy. Most landlords that I know, people that own rental properties, are living hand to mouth because they're relying on people to pay their rent before they can go buy groceries. And they're still paying the mortgage on the property you're paying rent on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're the ones incurring all the risk 
for the debt. You know, I mean, if anybody's credit's going to get wrecked or ruined, you know, that the person who owes the payments on those mortgages stands a lot more to lose. Sure. Yep. So, I mean, but back to the people that are wanting to work and can't. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you've got the people that are, you know, here's the thing. The people, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it, I go in circles over this whole situation and not just with the people that are working and with the people, you know, the people that aren't in the restaurant business and the government control. Um, I don't know if you know this here in uh, New Mexico, our governor recently passed an order. Uh, that said, uh, people that are not that are caught not wearing a mask in public will have a hundred dollar fine. Businesses will have five thousand dollar fine daily that they don't um, close due to sta- either close due to standards or allow customers in without a mask. They actually had rumor had it. I didn't see it myself that she had the state police at our local Walmart checking people as they came in. Now, I don't know if they were telling people, hey, you need to put your mask on, or if they were actually writing citations. I don't know. Um, I do know uh, that I, I to go into Walmart right now, I don't want the confrontation, so I walk in wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. But as soon as I get past the threshold, I, I wear one of these kinds that wrap, wraps around, like a turtleneck kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get in, I just lower it down to my neck. Nobody says a word to me. I walk right past the employees on the inside, other customers. Nobody has a problem with it. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting. If I thought, if I thought that there was, you know, there's been a lot of hype about masks, and if everybody agreed, everybody, all the scientists, all the doctors, and everybody agreed that this would stop the prevent, the stop the spread of this disease, this virus, I'd have no problem wearing one. Mm-hmm. But most of what I read is evidence to the contrary. You know, the same government that was way off in telling us exactly what this disease was going to do to the people of America, uh-huh. the, the, the politicians of America have wreaked more havoc on our economy and our way of life than this disease has. Their numbers, they can't even get their numbers right. But somehow they know that if we all just wear a mask, everything will be okay. Meanwhile, the CDC has gone back and forth on whether or not people yeah. should wear a mask or not. Yeah. They are one giant yo-yo on that issue. Mm-hmm. So um, all that being said, is it any coincidence, do you think? What do you think about this this topic in relation to the coronavirus there are places now, uh, I've been in them, that they have signs on the cash registers uh, saying that they, please use a debit or a credit card. We do not have correct change. We don't have coins. Uh, there's a supposedly a coin shortage all across the country. I looked that up myself. They, the reason that I read there was was because of the virus some of the people in the mint are not working like they used to be. They've had staff shortages, so the production is not there. Um, I don't know. I don't know about that. I know that there is. We've got Federal Reserve banks all over the country that are probably loaded with cash and coins. I'm guessing. Um, we've never had a coin shortage in America that I know of. Is this all tied into? an agenda or is this literally just a coincidence well either way both both of those questions is it a is it an agenda or is it a coincidence hinges on whether or not it's true and i tell you what i haven't seen any evidence of any coin shortage um 
banks still got lots of coins. They still have lots of cash. Uh, I have, I have not been at want for any coins. Um, but I do think, to your point, uh, that we are moving in the direction of a cashless society. And I don't think that it takes uh, any type of. Um, no, I don't think you have to do much more than just connect the dots and just be a be a realistic observer observer of technology. Well, I mean, even, this has kind of been the, the track yeah. that we've been on for a very long time, and now we even have digital currencies, you know, that aren't right. backed by anything um, in terms of hard cash or any type of underlying commodity or precious metal. So, are we moving in the direction of a cashless society? Absolutely, we are. But I t- and I'll tell you this: I don't think we need a virus to get us there. I think a lot of people would just move in that direction just based on the convenience of it. When I was in college, Jay, I had a roommate from Lebanon. And his two grandparents lived in Australia. Mm-hmm. And he told me one time uh, after the Christmas break, we all came back to school. Uh, he was uh, he was the floor leader in my dorm for the for the floor that I was on, and he said that his grandparents. He said it was the it was the most amazing thing. He went to Australia, and he said his two grandparents were participating in a trial study in which all of their finances were being kept on a chip that was embedded in their hands, and he said that they would go to a store. Um, like participating stores that were in this trial program and uh, they would literally hold their hand out they would scan their hand or somebody would wave a wand over it or something just to basically pick up the signal from that RFID chip and then that would be transmitted back to their bank and that's how they would pay for their goods and this was almost 20 years ago so I don't I don't think I don't think we need the virus to get us there I think we're I think we're there um, things like convenience and maybe a virus will might help push us in that direction but I think that we're headed in that direction. I well, think that we have been for a very long time. If, if they head in that direction and they want to make it mandatory, because there would be a lot of pushback, uh, especially from the Christian circles, mm-hmm. the one way to do it would be, well, you got to have this vaccine and it's mandatory. Well, along with that vaccine comes a microchip or whatever that is yeah. included in that process. And that that's already been discussed um, mm-hmm. from what I've been told through in the Bill Gates circles. Um, so, you know, there. I don't watch mainstream news anymore unless I see a clip of it on Facebook. And I try to fact check everything that comes through. Um, So sometimes it's interesting what you read and sometimes you have to just push it aside with a smile, take it with a grain of salt. And other times you really have to raise your eyebrows and, oh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense where we're headed. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. With the coin shortage, though, um, I read today... Uh, that one of the Kroger's uh, chains in one of the states had already made it clear that uh, they're not giving change back on any cash transactions. Um, I'll have to verify that a little bit more. But uh, I have seen some stores locally here in the Tularosa Basin that are telling people, we just don't have the change. Um, If you want want an accurate transaction, use your credit or debit card. Um, Which honestly... I don't hardly use cash anyway anymore unless I'm just going to pop in somewhere and get a soda or something um, and I've got the cash on me because it's, sometimes it's just a little easier but uh, you know but there's there are a lot of ramifications of what would happen this has been posted on the internet this week too if we did go to a cashless society you couldn't pay the neighbor kid 20 bucks 30 bucks cash uh, to mow your yard uh, you couldn't drop a $20 bill in a card for your grandchildren on their birthday. Mm-hmm. A lot of things like that. And, you know, those those things are part of America. <laughs> you know, 
you know, um, I know my son, Seth, loves getting a card and, and open it up, and see, he would much rather see a crisp $20 bill than a gift card to a particular store because he feels limited. He still likes it. He still uses it. But, you know, there's something about that. That's just an American tradition with families, you know, and such. And Yeah. I remember. Yeah. I, you probably remember, too, as, a, as you know, a youngster like I was. When that oh, when yeah. your birthday All the time, helping take the trash out at church, I'd get a quarter for it. Yeah. <laughs> also, but but also, you know, come around your birthday time, and you got that. Mom says, "Hey, you got a card here from Grandma and Grandpa Greg Gibson." Um, you you knew there was going to be something in there, and yeah. uh, that's just part of the American way of life. That I think it, it'd be sad if that was taken from us yeah, as parents. It's, it's, and you know what, Jay? It's been. It's been the way of civilization since the beginnings of recorded history. So, for a, for the world to to move in that direction and actually execute a plan by which the world now operates without cash, um, if it ever happened, it would be very very short lived. <laughs> Do you think? And I just I just don't see it happening. I don't have any expectation. That I'm going to be around for it. <laughs> right. No, I I understand that. Me too. So, um, but there's yeah, just a lot of stuff going on, and you can't help wonder if everything going on is somehow connected or related to the other thing going on, or whatever you know it is. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. we've we've got these protests and the Black Lives Matter, and um, I have seen Jim and I have talked about this. You can't say all lives matter because now that's racist. You're a racist if you say that. All lives matter, even though the word "all" is more, um, it, it encompasses more people than the word "black" uh, yep. does. Um, so I don't understand that. As far as I'm concerned, the people that say "black lives matter," well, that's that's more that's not a racist statement, but it's more of a racist statement than saying "all lives matter." And uh, we've got these protests. That what do you think about this chop? Was it chop or chap situation in yeah, Seattle? The, the Capitol Hill. Autonomous zone. Yeah, that's over now, isn't it? And they didn't they go in there and oh yeah, the, tell the those police idiots moved and... in and uh, the occupiers um, scurried around. They scurried off like roaches when you turned on the light. They were met with almost zero resistance. But the police here, were. Here's the thing: How did they even? Why did the powers that be, you know, the government that wants to have so much control in our lives, the law-abiding citizens? They acted like they were scared to death of these people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they didn't. They took their sweet time. They let them have their way. Even the mayor there said that it was oh they're just protesting peacefully. Um, yeah, she equated it to the summer of love from yeah. the nineteen sixties. Yeah. But meanwhile, nothing, yeah, people were getting hurt, killed, and businesses well, were being broke into. Businesses were being broke into. I'm ho- I'm I hope that every single property owner. That had their space invaded and were robbed of their and were robbed of any business that they might have been able to do. I hope they all sue the mayor and the governor for allowing that to go on as long as it was. No doubt those people lost value in their properties because of what happened. And surely they also lost business because they didn't have any customers coming in. Right. They ought to also sue to make sure that they get the money back. Reports I, I saw reports on the ground, uh um, not journalists, but kind of the new media, you know, moving in there with their cell phones and microphones. And uh, there were reports that I watched live on on the Internet. They're in the zone, and they're saying, is it true that these uh, CHOP 
occupiers are charging local businesses in order for them to stay open. Jay, that's exactly what the mafia did. To yeah. People. Yep. You know, it is. like, hey, hey, we're, you got to pay us for protection. Or we're going to come in. We're going to bloody your your face up, and we're going to shut you down. And but I think they ought to sue the governor. I think they ought to sue the mayor for every last penny that they can get back. Because that should never be allowed to stand anywhere. I like what happened in I think it was I think it might have been Nashville in Nashville, Tennessee. They tried to pull the same stunt there, and uh, the governor of Kentucky said not going to happen. The mayor of Nashville said not going to happen, and the police went in and moved them out before they ever even got started and set up. But this is what's happening. All, it's happening all across America because people are trying. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like when politicians tell you something's going to be so bad, but then. You're getting ready for something to be so bad, and then it turns out to be almost as bad, but not quite. And then you almost feel relieved that it wasn't <laughs> as bad as they said it was going to be. But now you're, but now you are dealing with something. You're putting up with something that is terrible still. And so what we've had across America, we've had mayors and governors allowing this thing to go on and conditioning the American public to think that this is the new normal. I've heard oh, that phrase used. This goodness. is the new normal. This is the new normal. These people are going to move in. They're going to set it up. It's going to be yep. the summer of love. And then after you know several weeks or a couple months, then they're going to move out. That should never be normal. Nobody should be accepting of yep. that. I applaud these people that take their firearms and they stand out on their front lawn and they push back against people who are trying to invade their property or trying to burn down or otherwise yeah. loot their business. That We need more of that. We need more people that are willing to stand up and push back. Uh, when we have these people coming you're, in and trying to loot and destroy and cause chaos and harm, you're kind of referring to the couple in St. Louis, yes. uh, who did that. And and I don't know the whole situation. I know that the the people that were protesting actually broke down the gates to the gated community. Mm-hmm. Were they actually on the the yard, the property of this couple? As I understand it, they were. But correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, there were people that were on the yard, and so now the. Uh, um, the people who are trying to defend this mob are now saying, oh, well, that wasn't their property. That property is actually in dispute of who owns it. But the McCloskeys have been taking care of that property. They bought that property over 30 years ago. Mm. They continue to maintain it. So even even by all common law standards, right. you, know, you know, that is their property and they have a right to defend it. So, yeah, they broke down the gate. They came in and they were shouting insults, not just insults, but they were shouting threats. We're going to kill you. We're going to burn down your house. We're right. going to kill you and then we're going to live there. And so these people were not out to cause problems. The McCloskeys did not wake up that morning and say, hey, let's get our guns and cause some trouble. Right. Look at the guy. The guy's wearing like slacks with a dress belt. He's got a polo, pink polo shirt still tucked in. Yeah. And he's barefoot. This yeah. is the guy who said, oh, my goodness, it's gotten real very real, very quickly. They're coming on our property. We're about to be invaded. They're going to cause the same destruction and damage that they've done all across America. We got to defend ourselves. And so they run out onto the front lawn in their bare feet with their pink polo shirts tucked into their ha- or tucked into their pants with an AR-15, just wanting to defend their own property. And and the aftermath of that is that you've got a city prosecuting attorney who sends in police with not arrest warrants but a search warrant. To confiscate the weapons, even though at the time she and and I don't think she still does. She has any intention of charging them with the crime, mm-hmm. basically because she can't. She has no basis for law to charge them with the crime. That's not to That's say right. she won't in the in the near future. But how can you seize somebody's property if you're not even investigating a crime? What we saw her do. So this is Kim Gardner, Jay. I know right. Kim Gardner. 
I served with her in the legislature for a few years, and uh, and she was um, nostril deep, eyeball deep, head deep <laughs> uh, in exactly everything that happened to our former governor, Eric Greitens. And once she got right. him to resign, then she suddenly dropped the charges. And now here she is going after the McCloskeys. She has not filed any charges against the McCloskeys, but she sent the police, who, by the way, she absolutely hates, hates yeah. Jay. She hates the police. And she sent her those police that she hates into the McCloskeys' house with a search warrant to confiscate their firearm. So people need to understand, no charges have been filed here. Nobody's under arrest. This was nothing but pure, illegal gun confiscation perpetrated by the people we have in office who swear an oath to the Constitution to protect our rights. That's what's happening here. And uh, and as clear as that case was, what she did, taking their gun like that, everybody in the whole country needs to take notice of that because if it happens there, it can happen anywhere. Right. Yep. Jim and I had talked about this hypothetically before in the past, but is wouldn't it be interesting if, if somehow, and you're the legal expert in this matter, there was legislation passed on all levels, city, state, and, and federal, that if somebody in office had a very, very blatant uh, abuse of power in violation of the, of the Constitution or, or even civil rights, blatantly, blatantly, uh, that they could be prosecuted, maybe not even prosecuted, but something uh mm-hmm. charged uh indicted whatever you word you want to use but then they would be prohibited from life for having for holding any office that they had to be elected to well i'll tell you what jay if you're charged with a felony mm-hmm. then you already lose the right to run for public office but isn't it so- interesting though that we have so many people in office that are committing faili- uh felonies under the oh, yeah. guise of doing their duty as an elected official? Yeah, hey Jay, there's this so there's this French economist from the mid early mid 19th century. His name is Frederick Bastiat and he wrote a book called The Law. And in this book, The Law, he coins this term called legal plunder. Now in in an economic sense, you know, you could consider what he's saying uh, legal plunder, the government makes it legal to confiscate your right. money. But it's the same exact thing when the government makes it illegal for you just to run over into somebody's house and take their gun illegally. Mm-hmm. But the government makes it legal for themselves. Right. See what I'm saying? Yep. So the fact that Kim Gardner did something that was entirely illegal would be illegal if you or I did it. But because of her position, it suddenly becomes legal in spite of everything that the Constitution says, everything that's in the Second Amendment. It's legal for her and we all respond as though it's okay right, right. so so there, there's a case of legal plunder being executed here and if anybody else that was not in office did that they would be charged with a felony so i think that there i think that there should be standing for uh for somebody to bring charges against kim gardner i'm anxious and curious to see exactly what the mccloskey's attorneys do in this matter because i know that this is going to be heading to the courts i just wish it would head to a court um outside of st louis city <laughs> And maybe it will. Maybe we'll we can have Supreme somebody Court. who has some more respect for our Constitution. I wonder what would happen if it went to the Supreme Court. Oh, I, I don't know. I'm almost scared for it to go to the Supreme Court with the way the Supreme Court's been yeah. ruling well, on things. Uh, if we had, but I know what you're saying. I know yeah. what you're saying. If it went to the Supreme Court, that would settle it once and for all. If it was a win, yes. Yeah. But we, ha- you know, we have had wins in the in the Supreme Court. 
uh, for uh, Second Amendment rights before. I think that's of, right. You know Keller, Heller versus Heller. DC. Yes, yeah. Then a few of the others. Um, I, w- there was a guy that was speaking in Alamogordo several months ago. I won't go into details, but he he made the comment um, that that uh, our Second Amendment right is not a God-given right. He says, if you think it is, go to another country where they don't have that right. Those rights are granted by the government. And uh, you and I both know that's totally incorrect. I I get his point of view. I understand where he's coming from, but he's uninformed. Um, Mm -hmm. And I told him afterwards, um, there is an actual Supreme Court ruling in the 1880s, I believe, Krushank versus United States, where uh, the Supreme Court, part of that ruling stated that the Second Amendment doesn't grant rights, it protects them that are already given by the Creator. Mm-hmm. And it specifically said that about the Second Amendment. So mm-hmm. um, when I informed this gentleman of this, he was rather shocked. He said he was going to go home and check that out. But yeah. But th- that that goes without saying. Not any of our rights are more important than the others. They That's really right. aren't. So, and, and, and like you said, I mean, the the guy is completely missing the point, right? I mean, we're not idiots. We know we're not born with you know sidearms in our hand, right? You know, but we we all have the right to exercise self defense. Yep. And we, and we're not we're not to be limited by the tools. I mean, whether or not you're picking up a rock or a Glock. You right. have the right to defend yourself. Yep, I totally agree. And uh, do you ever read Quora, the platform Quora, internet platform? I do from time to time. It amazes me how many people are on there, and they, when it comes to firearms and our rights, they don't have a clue. What amazes me even more, and I guess it shouldn't, is people from foreign countries, Europeans particularly, this is, why don't Americans just, why don't they understand you know why don't well it's not that we don't understand it's that you don't uh you weren't born with our history you weren't born with our culture uh we are a different people than you and the reason we're a different people than you are is because our ancestors came here to be different people than they were they came here for that purpose and uh i i told a european cousin of ours not not a cousin uh, blood cousin, although we have some over there, I said, "Look, it doesn't matter that w- whether we understand or you understand. That what matters is that you have to understand. There's only one thing you got to understand, and that's this is none of your business. You have no say in the matter, and we're done here. And that's pretty how much, pretty much how I close those arguments down when I when I talk to people from oh France or England or wherever they might be, and." Uh, you know, they, yeah, and, and so in, in England, you know, they've already they've already dealt with this issue. They used to have the freedom to bear arms. They yeah. used to be able to keep firearms in their house, and the the government told them, "Hey, we're going to make fox hunting illegal, and you know, we want you to be able to keep your guns. We don't want to stop you from doing, you know, from hunting and from sports sportsmanship and shooting." And then, I mean, it was Jay. It was like ten years before then they had mandatory gun turn-ins, and people were turning in firearms that they'd had in the family. You know, for a couple generations, they were turning in rifles that they had used, shotguns that they had used, and it didn't take long before people who had turned in their firearms were themselves becoming victims of violent crime mm-hmm. and dying and being killed. And the ones that would defend themselves 
and there's one guy I'm trying to remember his name, but I actually watched this documentary just within the last week. But it was about a man that was living in the English countryside, and he did not turn his firearm in. He was being uh, robbed by two men. He shot one and killed one when they broke into his house, and they sent both of them to prison. They sent him to prison for life, and the other guy uh, got off after just about six months. The guy that Incredible. the guy, the violent criminal who he shot, got off after six months. Incredible. This is this is this is from a Western country mm-hmm. who has a strong tradition um, of freedom and of liberty over the millennia, and this is the direction that they went. And then they've seen a huge sudden rise in violent crime, gun crime, gang crime, um, and so everybody needs to understand whether it's a rock or a Glock, you have a right to defend yourself. And one of our founding fathers, I, I forget which one, said that a government that does not trust its people with the right to bear arms is itself unworthy of trust. Yeah. Yep. Well, I would like the, the great hope that I have in all of this is that there are enough good people in America uh, that would not let that happen here. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that's a generalized hope. I understand that. Um, but I also have the hope that uh, the people that we see on the news that are breaking in windows of businesses and looting and and fighting and, and you know disrespecting the police officers and torching police cars, my other great hope is that those people, they really are the minority. They're just getting the majority of the attention, they, but they, yeah. they really are the minority. And there's going to – my warning, my fair warning to all the politicians is – Keep pushing it. You'll find out. You'll find out just where the the true Americans stand, and uh, who knows where it could lead. But anyway, well, um, Paul, the, the, we're near the end of the show, and uh, I want to thank you for joining us. Do you have any last thoughts or comments before we close out? Nope. Just tell people to go visit me on Facebook. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Do you have any websites or blogs that you want to promote right now at this time? It's not necessarily a political blog, but my old campaign website, paulkirtman.com, is where they can find me and get on my email list. They can find me on Facebook and Twitter, at Paul Kurtman. And, folks, he does send out a lot of good emails, I will tell you that. I don't think I'm biased one bit. Anyway, um, thanks for joining us again, Paul. Folks, you've been listening to the Biscuits and Gravy Show. Don't forget to check us out at ourfantasticwebsite.com, our Facebook page, The Biscuits and Gravy Bunch. And don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Don't forget to tip your server if you have one. Also, make a friend this week and definitely spend time with your kids. We'll see you next time right here on the Biscuits and Gravy Show. 